2: Dave Hanready and there will be No Encore. Welcome to episode 332 of the No Encore Music Podcast. It is time to talk about music once again. And it's time to deliver our very, very first sequel in terms of the top five this week. But I want to get right to the biggest news story of the week. Craig Fitzpatrick, my co-host, rescued a goldfish at the weekend.
0: So... I need to know hello, more Dave. about this right
2: now. No, there's not, no time for hello, Craig.
0: we got, we got to get well, straight Well, to first of all, I just want to say thank you for adding this to the running order because, of course, I wanted to, but I was like, I can't quite sneak in, you know, Craig saves a fish, and then I'm just like the dude that's like bigging up the fact he's, I mean, let's not mince words, a bit of a hero, right? Marine biologist um,
2: legend, yeah, I think that's what they're going to...
0: Beca- it be it became my entire weekend, that in Glastonbury, um... Yeah, so I, I was out for a very, very slow run that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to complete because jog, still post COVID fatigue. Actually, yeah, Jogging, I think it's the... It's a new thing. I'm, I'm hoping takes off. Um, it's a run, but slower. And I was halfway through. I'd got I've got to Selbridge. I was on my way back. Um, clouds looming overhead. I was like, I'm going to get absolutely drenched here. I feel like shit. I was just about to pass um, the Orchard Garden Centre near Selbridge. And on the grass verge, I spotted something out of the corner of my eye, and it looked it looked like it it looked like someone had left their like plastic bag for their dog, you know, kind of way. Like it would just looked like some weird dropped refuse or something. But there was like a golden glint that got my eye. So I, I doubled back, and I, I'm like, I have to have a look at that bag. There's something weird about that bag. Ask a question though, because thing, uh, this yeah, was a
2: situation that required some urgency. Did the slow run become a run at any point?
0: Did you maintain maintain your your amble? I maintained my amble. I hadn't hadn't gone too far when I doubled back. Like this was five seconds. I kind of made a quick decision that something needed to be done. Something was off. And the off thing was that, yeah, there was a goldfish in this plastic bag. Just sitting there on the grass verge, a bit up from a bus stop. And I'm like baffled looking around be honest with you, I was, I was thinking, I'm going to have to probably do something or else I'm going to be thinking about like, what is to deal with this goldfish? But also I don't need this in my life. You know, that kind of feeling of like, this is now my entire evening. Um, so I waited around for about 10 minutes. No one was coming. I was kind of thinking, is someone, did, did someone drop off this goldfish? Is it like a, a drop and collect thing? It was not. Um, so I was having a bit of an existential crisis, staring at this like, kind of like, gormless, innocent goldfish. reminding me a lot of myself, to be quite honest. So there's an immediate bond there. Um, so, of course, I rang my mom and I was like, what am I going to do with this goldfish? There's a goldfish. She's like, are you having a breakdown? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, you probably need to like rescue it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm just kind of need a lift, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I got a lift, brought the goldfish home. Hang on. And, just, um, it's a goldfish in a, in, a, in a bag of water. You couldn't carry this? I was still five kilometres from my gaff, so it would have meant a very long walk, or it would have meant me running so with the run. fish, which probably would have killed us. <laughs> Is that a thing? Imagine imagine the sight of me jogging by with a fish in a bag. Yeah, people are like Looking there's demented that local weirdo out for a run. Well, it got a bit more demented the ending in the story. It's a happy ending, but yeah, it was a it was a weird touch and go thing uh, towards the end. Um, so that evening was fine. Uh I was I was trying to read up on the fish. Of course, you can't use, like, tap water. Like, so immediately it's like the plastic bag, they'll last, like, six or seven hours before oxygen runs out. So I'm like, fuck, how long was it there? Like, that garden center where it clearly came from was closed for fucking hours already. Um. So I was like, I need to get into oxygenated water. But tap water everything I read about tap water was like, it will instantly start burning the lungs of the fish (laughs) because of, like, the chlorine in it and the metals, so... Can I ask a question at this point that some listeners may
2: themselves be wondering? uh, Was this a case of Craig's precious soda stream to the rescue or is that also very bad for the fish?
0: (laughs) Carbonated goldfish. It's my new band. Um... (laughs) No, sadly not. So I rang, I rang an uncle who has a pond <laughs> and he said, he suggested boiling water to get rid of the chlorine. But he's also like, well, the boiling, it gets rid of all the oxygen. So what you need to do is mix the oxygen back in. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to do any of this. This is And like diffusing uh, eventually a I got in contact with some neighbours who had gathered rainwater <laughs> and they gave me some of their rainwater, which is fine for fish. So into the bowl he went, popcorn bowl watched Glastonbury with me and was quickly christened uh, Sir Paul because it was Saturday night and by the end he was just maca, you know um, around this stage I was updating you Dave and things were going swimmingly um, oh, but a bunch oh, oh. yeah, but uh, he made it through the night after I fed him some like um, scrunched up green peas which apparently is fine for fish I was shocked he made it through the night and the next morning, yeah, it was just about going back to the garden center. How does and, this end um, with, how does this
2: not end with you keeping him? I don't understand.
0: Well, I have two cats. <laughs> okay. So Fair um it was tricky enough keeping them out of the living room for the evening. <laughs> like, I suppose if Craig's you had a proper come home aquarium. aquarium with a treat. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. I presume a proper aquarium would have a closed lid, so it'd just be the cats staring at it. But yeah, it wasn't really something that could happen. Tots did turn to like my uncle with the pond. But again, the problem became the bag that it was in had ripped when I was transferring them, so I had no bags to transport them back to the garden centre. So, called the garden centre, uh, the pet store dude, the pet area dude was like shocked that, like, he was like how baffled by how it happened, and also very kind of grateful that we were going to drop back the fish. I'm presumably like, impressed by back.
2: your um, ability to keep the fish alive overnight despite all these strange barriers that I was Yeah, no,
0: like we've, we've talked about my success with like bonsai trees and various plants over the years, which has not been good. So I'm like, well, this is a step up again. This is an altogether more complex organism and he's fucked. That was my thinking, but he wasn't, luckily. Um. So yeah, the garden centre seemed like the best option, although then people on Twitter afterwards were kind of like, oh, you should really bring them to a pond, like those aquariums, it's no life. And I'm just like, I'm just Twitter trying to return being them to the slightly garden unhelpful. centre. No way, that's yeah. unusual. <laughs> um. But so, but anyway, the, the main thing then became the fact that I didn't have a bag to bring them back to the garden centre, which was still a ways away. So what happened was <laughs> um, me with the bowl, a bowl full of water to the brim with the fish in it, in the passenger seat of a car, going over ramps and on a main road for some of it, desperately trying not to spill it all for the worst journey of my life, I think. It was just a complete panic. What kind of I was music like, did you go this for is... here? Like
2: something like Badly Drawn Boy or something to just really kind of <laughs> underscore the strange Ken Loach-esque situation yeah. you're in?
0: Yeah, we, it was the soundtrack to that Hugh Grant rom-com where he's the, you know, lovable bad boy that won't grow up. Yeah, yeah um, fair enough. About a boy, Yeah. Uh, but it was this was about a fish, a fish called Macca, and he made it back in one piece, shockingly, and kind of miss him, to be honest. Mm. Like, I really did... I feel like f- I've gotten to ah. know him over the course of this bizarrely long story. He was a good lad. this music podcast yeah, yeah, that we yeah. do. Yeah. Um, also, the irony of, like, on like Friday, I had, like, a tin of salmon for dinner. It's just, you know what I mean? I'm just like, do I have... I probably have to go full vegetarian now. Is that irony? I, I'm clearly invested uh. in... <laughs> Like, I've made them with the kind of existential argument before of, like, our philosophical argument of, like, I just don't eat mammals. Do you know what I mean? Okay. That's been a thing. But now I think it's, I don't there's a lot of questions being raised Well, listen, Craig, if nothing, else, for everyone. if
2: nothing else, you created a goldfish memory for everyone to enjoy. And I'm sure Mac will be very well, appreciated for three seconds. when yeah. he's dead in a month. What's their lifespan? Sorry. Not, not to be. Uh, apparently
0: 15 years really? if they... Yeah, no. I think that's if he finds a, a happy pond. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know if they're quite as Break him the, out of the is... fucking garden centre.
2: I'll come with you. We'll get him to your uncle's pond. I'm... This is the end of the story.
0: Oh, we could actually do it. Yeah. yeah, I've been thinking about that. Maybe I'll check in with the garden centre. fucking fuck him. No anywhere. Picture, picture, <laughs> p- picture the
2: scene. Me and you liberating this, uh, this, 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 this plucky fish and bring him to the pond as like me and me and Julio down by the schoolyard plays or something I could perfectly see it hell of a story Adam Craig. says
0: pond's 11 yeah let's let's do hell it of a let's story. write the I play. think
2: all the listeners will be uh, regarding you now with more affection than they ever had before if that such thing is even possible a real hero walks among us
0: I mean that's the only reason I stopped to be honest uh, a real hero <laughs> what's in this for me <laughs> and a real human being but you, you will notice listener before
2: we get to the news and we are getting there don't worry um, Craig did mention at one point that he wasn't willing to shell out for some kind of massive aquarium situation so if you want to help alleviate that burden patreon.com slash no encore is where you can contribute Beautiful. to the show fiscally uh, there'll be a new episode of no oxcord coming soon but in the meantime we probably should get on with it on this episode top five live performances two it's the sequel it's the first top five sequel we've ever done the last one we did yeah. was in october of 2020 we will get to it later it was inspired by what else glastonbury festival which took place last weekend Dasto. and we'll talk about that now after the time-honored tradition of hearing kanye west usher in the events of the week thank you hey you heard about the good news i bet people think that we couldn't have got 10 minutes out of that fish story but we did uh nonetheless certainly did it's time uh for Glastonbury, which took place last weekend um were you watching any of it dave no i didn't uh which is which is good isn't it for someone who hosts a music podcast i was asked at one stage are you watching Glastonbury? And um, I went, no, you couldn't pay me to do it. That's a lie. You definitely could. But in this situation, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I was out socialising, Craig. And then uh, I just, I, I saw it vicariously through Twitter and clips and people venerating yeah. Paul McCartney and well, going uh, mental. But you have spent I, I your I only weekend had watching it with the fish for, for company. So.
0: It was kind of very much background watching. I enjoyed the ambience of it in the background. Like I do think there is something about the Glastonbury setting of like, Yes, of course, it can be irksome, but also there is something a bit relaxing about it. Like it's, it's a bunch of kind of posh... Hippies, and I do think that is a relaxing vibe. It's
2: the Wimbledon of music festivals, which is appropriate singers that's on right now. Um, I can yeah. react to this though because I have paid attention to the big, big moments of it, and also I've got my Glastonbury skeptic positioning. So, like, this would be the rare occasion paper we're not on the same page, probably. I don't know. So, I, I know you put together a highlight reel in terms of the major. Well, the highlight
0: happenings. reel is, is cribbed from the Press Association who pushed out a story on like Monday, and they clearly had written this prior to. Um, or, um, Kendrick Lamar's great performance on a Sunday uh, because he doesn't feature at all in the seven biggest moments <laughs> that they've gone for so it, it, it's just a nice little framework of course they start with Paul McCartney and Friends um, Bruce Springsteen and Dave Grohl rocking up for that Saturday night um, I really against like my better judgment really enjoyed the kind of very lengthy ageing Beatle um, doing the oldies hits vibe like I, I thought it kind of really worked um, there was moments when it didn't work he did a lot of solo stuff there was a great quote from him where he was like um, yeah whenever we do a Beatles song it's just you, you see all those um, cameras in the audience light up it's like a galaxy of stars and then you know we go back to a solo song and there's nothing there's a void <laughs> but I'll keep doing them anyway and I was like wow <laughs> it's like you're a Beatle and you're still like there's a void for my new material At 80 years um, of age as well Yeah, that was probably the most revealing moment. The rest was all showmanship. It was all like, hey Jude sing-alongs. Bruce was kind of just Bruce. He's kind of a caricature of himself at this point, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, you know exactly. It's a great caricature because it's a great character, but um, Dave Grohl was a a strange one because obviously it was his first appearance since Taylor Hawkins' um, sad passing on stage. And um, obviously such a usually... Gregarious character, just an ultimate showman, nicest man in rock as well, people were saying over the weekend. Um, it was a big debate. Um, but, but he seemed like unsure of himself. He seemed um, very kind of nervy. Uh, it was it was quite sweet. He also very much felt for himself. That was a kind of weird one. He flew all the way to do a kind of few shaky covers of Beatles songs with Paul McCartney. Uh, one man that was also there was steve coogan who was in the audience did you see this little compilation dave of steve coogan reacting in real time because some pbc person just sidled up to him and was just like oh we're gonna keep filming you (laughs) throughout the set
2: no i didn't see this i'm gonna guess he he had one of two reactions was it like fucking pure awe or was it you know i don't really care
0: pure awe Let's go for it. It's pretty awesome.
2: Alan Potts was asked, what's your favorite Beatles album? And he said, uh, uh, that's a tough question. I think I would have to say the best of the Beatles. <laughs> the Rolling Stones, I've only ever written about eight brilliant songs, because the Beatles yeah, uh, have done about 50. Hunter Davis said in an article recently that we're, we're lucky to have him among us. And that's how I feel tonight. Incredible, incredible. Yeah, I mean, you caught me, that's quite emotional. I, I don't know what to say. I'm sorry. It's quite overwhelming. I don't think there's anyone else in the world who, who can just give such unadulterated joy to people. Very, very privileged to be able to see
0: that. Yeah, so it's um, that moment where he's like, oh, you've kind of caught me off guard. Like they really had. He's like tearing up and the camera's just suddenly on him and he's like, oh, I'm doing this again, am I? This is the entire set, is it? And you can kind of hear, like he starts off doing partridge material for the camera. And then you can, as the night goes on, Maybe he's having he a drink or two, slushed, or certainly just man. yeah, no getting into the emotion of the evening, and <laughs> the, yeah, the next clip just being like Rolling Stones only have eight good songs. <laughs> um, I just yeah, I enjoyed that. There kind was of a time, there was experience. a time back
2: in the hot press office, back when Craig and I worked there. We may have mentioned it once or twice when we were going to work at a picnic, whatever year it was, electro picnic, and we were kind of called into the office beforehand, and we were shown this video. Of a journalist in the UK, a music critic yeah. at Glastonbury, I believe, and it was during the Rolling Stones set or after or whatever, and they were down kind of at the concourse and they were doing yeah. a, a live, they were doing like a live reaction. And because Hot Press were like, this is what we want, we want on the ground live reactions from our journalists and blah blah blah. And they showed us this video of uh, a journalist <laughs> who I probably shouldn't name, but it's out there, it was and he was clearly fucked. And he was just like you know, like <laughs> like just you know over the moon with life because he was clearly fucked as you do be at festivals at this point. And at the end of that clip, I was like, "So are Craig and I, like, like it fucked up? Is it like is, it, is that the plan? Like, like I mean, like, like is that what you want? You want to be like, oh, unbelievable, incredible? Just like eyes darting, capture the vibes. Like, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think it'd stand with like the press association, for example. No. Rolling on with their highlights. Um, the second one is the John Lennon duet Paul McCartney did, which was like. Paul McCartney seemed very taken with the fact he could sing along with like vocal stems of John Lennon who was on a screen and I'm just like hasn't this technology been around for a long time like where's the hologram but it was a sweet moment um other things they've picked out I should say sorry go on yeah we'll counter the sweet will we because didn't Paul McCartney do what
2: he's been doing on his tour didn't he play a video that has Johnny Depp in it
0: Yeah, he did. Uh, It's the Johnny Depp and Natalie Portman video for Valentine. Uh, Yeah, weird him like introducing this song where he's like, I I wrote this for my loving wife. And it's like the most syrupy, like in this together marriage kind of song ever. And yeah, the video is obviously mad old and it's yeah cuts between Johnny Depp and Natalie Portman doing kind of like sign language and sing along and apparently he's been using the clip for years but like he has been yeah I think maybe and been interpreted the as fields. like a sign of support
2: like, yeah. for Johnny Depp by him playing it at his gig because like, it's like you know that is a that is a creative decision to play it you know to put
0: it on a screen yeah 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 very much so so that did I mean, you couldn't hear any audible gasps in the fields, but <laughs> massive roar from, from Sam Fender. Definitely from the couch. It's like, oh, he's gonna to have to fucking go into the Abbey Road medley now. May come on, rain this back, <laughs> and, and and thereafter, when he was like introducing the guests, um, uh, there was kind of because he'd mentioned Eric Clapton in an anecdote towards the start of the set, and there was booze, which is brilliant, right? Mm. But his when he was before he introduced Bruce, um, who got bruised. This is um The way he introduced him was just like, and now from the west coast of America. (laughs) And I'm just thinking in my head, there's so many awful people from there. Who the fuck is he going to bring out? Like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's like, oh my God, it's just just Springsteen. (laughs) Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) It's just just Springsteen and it's Dave Grohl. We can live with that. So, yeah, the rest of the night. Uh, Why did not he
2: play Maxwell Silverhammer?
0: because um, he didn't have anyone he couldn't source a hammer I believe oh, okay, and enough. get it to yeah,
2: at Somerset at the 11th
0: yeah, hour, yeah. it at the, at 11th hour. Um, but it would have been a real highlight for sure it needed something with that like that a bit of edge do you know what I mean yeah. song about I will serial say, killer, I will say to Twitter remember.
2: was fucking unbearable on Saturday night which is people falling over themselves to be like he's the best and we all know that his son James McCartney is in fact the best <laughs> anyway what else did Glastonbury have this year for us Craig
0: Well, the Press Association pick out the Greta Thunberg climate change speech, um, which was kind of, you know, what you would imagine. Although I was quite taken with the fact that um, the visual backdrop was like all this hanging salami because Haim were doing their set where they like recreated this diner thing from their album cover. So it just seemed like, I presume she's a vegetarian or or a vegan. I, I don't know, but it was an odd juxtaposition. Lily Allen... Uh, Slightly less of an odd juxtaposition. She returned apparently according to the press association and missed this thing Olivia Rodrigo said she brought her out for Fuck You. Um, I don't know if that is big news to you. No I thought it was um, was
2: directed at the Supreme Court because obviously there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of that, a lot of yeah. reaction of to that online. Wade and yeah, like, yeah, you know, decision. people at, at Phoebe Bridgers, you name it. I mean, everyone was kind of like the Kendrick Clamara thing, obviously, at the end of his set. Of course, yeah. Uh, very much the hot yeah. topic of the weekend and a grim state of affairs.
0: Um, yeah, Billie Eilish did the same. I thought her set was really good. Um, she was the, uh, McCartney was the oldest person, I think, to headline. She was the youngest person. Um Yeah it was just a really well pulled together set I like the fact that she has the confidence to do the very hushed thing she does and rein in the songs Um, yeah she just seemed uber confident Um, and you kind of go oh she's going to be around for decades so that was a good watch They mentioned Ukrainian representation. There was a Zelensky uh, clip shown. I think he was like the opening act for the Libertines. There's an interesting juxtaposition on like a Saturday morning, (laughs) which is just like, imagine getting smashed on the Friday and wandering over to see what's happening. And you're just like, Libertines at 11 in the morning. Zelensky, what? (laughs) Um, It's Glastonbury, baby. So Libertines really on at 11 in the morning? I don't know if it was quite that early, but they were they were a kind of surprise slot and they were kicking off the I think the main stage stuff. Okay. So it might have been about one. Yeah. Um what else happened? Wolf Alice nearly didn't make it. But they made it and Your bonus number eight, Mm -hmm, Dave, mm -hmm,
2: wet leg. Yeah, (laughs) I added a bonus because I, you know, I scrambled to watch some YouTube highlights in the last few days. And one of the ones I watched that kind of came up was wet leg, uh, being fucking God awful. Um, I, I've talked about them on the show recently in, was it overhyped acts or what what do we do? Yeah, Yeah. And I, you know, I went on a tear about them. Um, I just can't get over it. I mean, it was, of course it was Shays Long that was clipped from BBC music on their YouTube channel. And it was just horrific. They got a massive fucking crowd on, I think, the main stage. And if not the main stage, definitely the second biggest stage. Huge crowd. Very odd. And people singing this terrible piece of shit back to them. People in the crowd dressed up like lobsters. I hate Glastonbury. I hate it so much. And it was just these two fucking idiots on stage with their terrible song, very pleased with themselves. And it's like, it's a festival moment. And I was like, this is awful. I I, I, I really don't understand I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I don't get it either. I find it I steer of that.
2: Wildly embarrassing. I, 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 I can't watch that stuff without like wanting to just throw my fucking laptop against the wall. They are terrible.
0: And I, I, I can't, I, I just, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I just don't get it. The one saving grace was you didn't have Jem Kearney presenting this year going, oh, that was one of the festival moments. Um, it was... Joe Wiley and Jack Saunders, who I don't know, yeah. red-haired guy, who I think people were complaining about because he seemed a bit nervous and a bit too smiley, and I thought he did a fine job. <laughs> a fine job. Uh, uh, Adam Adam has confirmed it was the Friday morning, 11.30am, the Libertines came on. That's pretty amazing, to be fair. <laughs>
2: would you have gotten up there to go see them? You probably would have, wouldn't
0: you? I'm amazed if would darned got up there early. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Glasgow to see the Strokes in a week. You are, of course, yeah. Best to <sighs> look with Absolute that. Madness. I should
2: say at this juncture. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. Overnight flight. I think it's a six a.m. flight on the Sunday back. Brilliant. Nice. So that's um.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, mm. Some more airport voice note chatter, please, for the for the for the show. Some more content. <laughs> sure thing. Um. So that's last me for another year. The best weekend of anyone's life ever, apparently.
0: Yeah, including Chris Martin's. We've got another news item just to tack on. He was seen in a pub in Bath after the festival or after his festival. I should say, your headline here, here, by the way, is like Chris Martin turns up in Bath pub like a corpse. (laughs) Like he'd been missing for five years. Yeah. He just says, you know what, I'm cutting I'm cutting my ties with civilization and he went off into the desert. And um no, I think he's probably just hanging around angling for a fe- like a festival headliner maybe next year. Yeah. It has been about what four do, years do, since they've done it. So. Do us a favor here and don't scrimp over the story because I read it earlier on
2: and it is yeah. incredibly written and incredibly silly. So
0: Yeah, let's get into it because I do love the um drama yeah. of the setting of the scene. So it was the stag at Hinton Charterhouse in Bath, uh, Sunday afternoon. Coldplay frontman stopped in uh, after attending Glastonbury with his partner, Dakota Johnson, and were off with the pub's landlord, Chris Parkin, had been sat at the bar with a local farmer when the musician walked in. (laughs) (laughs) To quote him talking to Somerset Live, we just finished lunch service and I was at the bar when this man walked in and I said to the lads that sitting next to me, crikey, that fella looks like Chris Martin. Can i going to stop you there. Um, do <laughs> we right? think that the word
2: crikey was actually used or is this local newspaper flairy prose poetic license going into full effect here?
0: I feel like that's something people in Somerset would say, but I'm just going by the caricature of Somerset. Yeah, because Do in fairness, I mean?
2: like, like he's sitting next to a farmer, so automatically your prejudiced brain thinks of like a stalk of corn coming out of this man's mouth. Yeah, like, you know, it, it it, so. we shouldn't judge, but it's this is written in a very, very strange way at times.
0: <laughs> to continue, the lady who was his PA, personal assistant, who was with him, turned and said. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that with a flourish of just like, yep, that's him in the flesh. Is that David Bowie. Like it's very like. If, yeah, like if what if it was David? But if Chris Martin was walking in, would you be immediately like Crikey, or would you just be I like? I think I'd be like Crikey. A-.
2: That's Dakota Johnson. But we'll continue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Parkin added that he poured the group some pints of Guinness before they went and sat outside, adding, I asked the customers just to leave them in peace outside gonna, to enjoy their drinks.
2: stop you there again. Yeah. So he asks the
0: customers to leave them, the celebrities alone, but yes, he yeah.
2: himself has already barged into their
0: orbit. Well, I mean, he's serving them, so I presume he's he's got to show some hospitality. Yeah, I guess. Um he's probably overstepped his she mark with like the crikey of a, a little bit if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. I mean if he said crikey is that Chris Martin loud enough that the PA hurt <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> probably going beyond the usual service uh, but yeah he says and everyone respected that yeah <laughs> And then the next paragraph is about Chris Martin's impromptu performance, which came about when Bride and Groom, Hannah Organ and Jeremy Larkham told them that they intended to play Coldplay's 2014 hit, Sky so Full of Stars, clearly, at their forthcoming wedding. Yeah, they, they went up to him.
2: didn't listen to <laughs> the, the, the rules set in place. What kind of, what kind of chaos is this?
0: Well, to continue with the chaos, relaying the story, Parkin said, "To our surprise, Martin turned around and asked us if we wanted him to play it on the pub's piano, we just, which we said yes. something to be there. Play it on the piano. Yeah, <laughs> this sounds staged. This, <laughs> the musician played the track, but stopped before reaching the high notes. Apparently, telling the crowd that his voice was a little hoarse due to partying all weekend at <laughs> Glastonbury. Oh my god! Such a showman. I just look. I can imagine that. Just the genial." charisma of the man this um, thing of
2: like oh the reluctant showman like this is Glenn Hansard yeah, levels of goes to place and gets involved superstar. you know except you know yeah, one of those men yeah. should be in prison but we'll continue sorry go on go
0: what's <laughs> Chris Martin done Dave um, Martin <laughs> gave the engaged things. couple some some advice ahead of their ceremony telling the groom to listen to everything that the bride says because he's apparently the elderly farmer that was also from there from the 70s just like, yeah excellent yeah it was a bit surreal to have such a huge star like Chris Martin in the pub," said Parkin. "But he's a really ple- pleasant sh- chap, really nice. Um, so yeah, I'm sure he is. But that was that was the little trip to Bath. Um, memorable occasion. A good. And I feel like th- this is this is PR cranking into gear yeah, for yeah. Chris Martin. It's a good yeah.
2: regional news story though, and we love those. But let's bring it home, Craig. Your next headline, I have to say, is one of the best you've ever done. Oh,
0: thank you very much. It's, it's inaccurate, but I've left it in.
2: <laughs> I still think it's great. <laughs>
0: Ireland's answer to Chris Martin, yeah, Bono from mono to stereo in the sibling department. Oh. It's about him <laughs> disclosing the fact that he's got a half brother that he didn't know just, about just, until just two incredible days. work. Now I did some research, um, and I found out that he actually has a bro- like a, a full kind of brother yeah. um, called Norman. Norman when when older we played that brother. clip from
2: the audiobook, he references my older brother Norman.
0: Yeah, I can't believe I forgot Norman Hewson. Um, So my apologies to Norman and the entire family, which is bigger than we thought. He was on Desert Island Discs, which I actually listened to while going to bed last night and I found it like a very good listen. I was going to it. it a good bedtime listen? It is. I think Desert Island Discs is perfect for that kind of thing in general. Um, if, As long as it's not too harrowing, but generally the kind of the music, the ambience, the kind of, virtual setting of the desert islands and just how open they are um arson wenger's one is very good for that he's a very suiting frenchman i'll give you another, I'll give you another of, arsenal yeah, legend
2: uh, ian wright's episode of Des- on this is yeah. exceptional yeah. it's one of the most emotive beautiful things you'll ever hear and if you're not already on the ian wright train by the end of this episode you'll be like i want to hug this man buy him a pint be his
0: best friend it's incredible oh, go man. listen to it so good, you know the clip of him meeting his old teacher. I've shown that to you people that? in the office and, like in work so in the last two good. weeks. If, yeah, <laughs> listener, if you haven't seen it, dig that out. It's it's um it's him being surprised by his old who teacher who just dead. inspired him and yeah who he thought was dead. Just like <laughs> tapping him on the no, shoulder. Like, like they to, like, like he, the guy shows up and you hear him off screen and it's like, hello, Ian
2: and then like yeah. he's, he turns And just Ian
0: Wright immediately turns into like a seven-year-old boy. He takes his, hat like, off. his face off. It's, it's, yeah. hugs him. He has a show it's, of respect. It's incredible. There's, an, uh, there's
2: yeah. more, there's a follow-up about that on Dead On
0: This which will just break your heart. It's incredible. Yeah. Ian Wright is fucking yeah. awesome. I love him. He is. He's, a, he's an awesome man. Bono also in the <laughs> awesome category. He was, I, I, do you know what? We've, the more and more we do Bono news stories, particularly I think a recent one where he's basically saying, I hate my voice. I'm not sure our songs are great. YouTube's, YouTube's a bit of a rubbish name. Doesn't everyone hate me? Um, we're, we're warming to him. Um, well, I think we're, I think I think we're a, much more on Bono, on, like, on, on the pro yeah, Bono circuit than not. I love a bit of Bono. And yeah, it's a good listen. So he, he basically talked about um, how like the ties and the kind of broken ties he had with his father after his mother passed, And he realised around about 2000 that a lot of the strain on the relationship was actually the fact that he had a bit of a secret life. And there was this half-brother and um, Bono was talking about, you know, being a very close family. I could tell my father had a deep friendship with this gorgeous woman who was part of the family and then they had a child and this was all kept secret. And um, he kind of made his peace with his his dad uh, before he passed away, welcomed his half-brother into the family and says he kind of loves him. And uh, it was, it was, um a moment of real kind of openness of which there were a few. Uh, He was talking about like starting the band and how the band kind of became his family. Um, But there was a moment where he talks about how he always had melodies in his head as a youngster and he used to feel a kind of rage that he needed other people to turn them into songs. And, um basically through the course of the interview, he opens up about how he feels like he's a person that needs utter, a lot of other people just to function. And he hates that about himself. And there's lots of kind of little insights there. He also, of course, revealed his hit discs. Um, we previously did a kind of, do you remember he had that 60, 60 favourite songs thing? Um, well, there's a bit of crossover. There's this weird thing where his, his favourite songs include a Simple mind song, That isn't the Simple Minds song he picked in his sixty. So I'm like, he's really into Simple Minds. Um, Yeah, Bob Dylan, Every Grain of Sand. Peter Frampton, Show Me The Way. When he introduces that, he talks about how he performed that in school. And um, he goes, yeah, I... um, what I did was I turned the song into a prayer, <laughs> like the most Bono thing of all time. And yeah, check it out. It's a, it's a recommended listen, but, um, sorry, bono, uh, a good
2: egg. A couple of things there. I was distracted by a couple of things. One being, uh, yes, I used the phrase pro bono when I meant, of course, say pro bono and that ah. we will represent you legally for free. No problem. Um, sorry. And also because I was distracted there, did you mention that you picked an inhaler in, in the On Discs?
0: <laughs> he went with Ice Cream Sunday from the band Inhaler of which he said um, good band of which you know my son happens to be the front man and the way he discussed it was he's like it's a good song I remember hearing it for the first time and it's got this really startling opening line and the opening line is um, I'm in the pursuit of happiness I'm going to get it I'm going to get it yeah and I'm like I don't know if that's quite up there with Bob Dylan's Every Greatest Sound but okay and then Bono goes on to say, um, so he had that line, and then the second verse, he, he just repeated it. I remember saying like, "Why are you just repeating it? Why don't you finish the song?" And a son was just like, oh, "I like it. It's grand." <laughs> And Bono's like, I still think you should finish it, but it's a good song. And I'm just like, that's not the best example of like, no, you know, they have better rich songs musicians, so like, just being like, this will do. They, they, they have better songs, but you yeah. know, you're inhaler, don't I you? Do you've, know, t- you've interviewed I, I've them. I've interviewed yeah. them a couple
2: of times. Right. I, I, I actually, yeah. I, I quite like them. I, I thought they were very charming, and I like uh, the insistence, presumably from Elijah Houston, that they all get interviewed together. So it's not for him to be the fucking walk away star. Yeah, that's cool. Although yeah. you know, he is his father's son. It's ridiculous. And I keep saying this, but like, make the biopic now because he looks like bono in the 80s yeah, he I sounds know. like bono in the 80s it's crazy um they haven't quite taken off the way i thought that they might but they're still around i think they have something to offer beyond the obvious and they got some songs that i quite like but uh it is funny that he would just throw his son's band in there but also uh, yeah again imagine having like bono over your shoulder when you're trying to write songs it's like mate I know back off sorry i was also distracted some breaking news of a grim nature but also maybe something uh-huh. to celebrate or kelly has been sentenced to 30 years in prison so rot in piss, you fucking scumbag anyway Excellent we'll move on news. because that's just the headline and we don't need to get into all that murkiness but yeah deserved bye bye what's next though craig how can you recover from that
0: speaking of murkiness um <laughs> Madonna she's not too bad no she's grand but um, turns out she, she's probably not in the awesome category alongside you know local legends like Chris Martin and Bono uh, Rufus Wainwright has been interviewed by Attitude magazine <clears throat> he's very much in a kind of friends of the show role who you've been interviewed
2: um, a couple of times I believe
0: yeah, a uh, great kind of company, but Madonna doesn't think so. Um, so apparent, apparently there's been some like un- unpleasant interactions between the two over the years. He's not really sure why, although there's some kind of political stuff in the background. But yeah, he was talking to Attitude about like his pride heroes, um, name-checking like Shirley Bassey, Carol Channing and Barbara Streisand, and just like what it's like to meet them. And they asked like if he'd met Madonna, and he just goes, um... Look, I'm fascinated by Madonna, as is the universe. So you kind of know where this is going. I've had evenings with her. Nothing extensive, but little run-ins with her over the years. And she's never been particularly... I'm on a weird part of her radar. I'm not quite a target, but I'm I'm not a refuse eater, whatever. we have never had a great thing, but I admire her tenacity and some of her songs are great. But she's been quite mean to me a couple of times, um, but it's like, join the list. So apparently they've been at, like, very small gatherings where she's just refused to, like, acknowledge his existence for the entirety of the evening. And he said he can only put it down to some political thing where he worked with someone who used to work with her that ended up leaving her, but she's never really commented on it and... Very strange behaviour. Kind of what you would expect from Madonna. Is that unfair? Um, a little unfair in that I don't want her to sue us, but um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean... Could she sue us for that? For me thinking she might be rude to Rufus right at a party? <laughs> I
2: mean, like it, it would make for quite the legal writ to land on her doorstep, but um, if we get in that biopic... Elton John has often it. kind
0: of intimated stuff like this before, I suppose, that she can be a yeah, bit rude. Yeah, we've talked about that feud... Although Elton John isn't like an angel himself, See, do you know?
2: Yeah. And who knows, maybe, like, like I I don't know, Craig,
0: you, you know Rufus better than me. Is he a tall talesman? No, I think this is true. And also the fact he's kind of cajoled into talking about it. when um, he clearly didn't really want to. And that he's quite gracious about her. This strikes um, me as, yeah, something that's a bit of a bruise um, for him. But Yeah. I just imagine you've you've had those interactions with Madonna and you arrive at another like glitzy party and you realise she's also at it for uh, like another time and you're just like, this is going to be my evening of dodging Madonna. <sighs> <sighs> if only we could be imagine, Dave, in, such, imagine. <laughs> in, in, in
2: such high society. Uh, I've seen Rufus Wainwright live and it was amazing. I have never seen Green Day live uh, and I had the opportunity this week to go to the Hell Mega Tour in Dublin. Adam went along. Uh, it was Green Day, yeah, Fall by Boy and Weezer. And I didn't go. Um, I was offered a freebie. And I didn't go because it was in Marley Park. And I was like, how the fuck will I get home? Um, it's yeah. a nightmare to get to. It's a bigger nightmare to get home from. And I figured this would be a bad call. So I didn't go. Adam.
0: Yeah, Adam Adam was talking about... sorry, go Adam, Adam who doesn't have a microphone this week
2: will... I don't, I don't
1: have yeah, a microphone, I but <laughs> it's, 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 it's a truly awful situation. I'm using my my little okay. laptop mic, so please forgive the audio fidelity. But... Uh, Okay, so there was some issues with queues going in, apparently. Right? Um, I rocked up. So the funny anecdote was between—I I think I might have voiced noted Dave on this already. So <clears throat> between me leaving my house, getting—I parked in Dundrum Town Centre and walked to Marley Park. My friends had joined a queue when I, like, had just arrived to Dundrum. It took about forty minutes to, like, walk from Dundrum to Marley mm. Park. Um, I, I didn't see a queue. I just waltzed straight in. It was great. <laughs> so like I, I had the live location on, um, I had the live location on my phone or whatever. And they were like, how the fuck did you get in so quick? And there was absolute killings. My friends were pulling because it took them another half an hour then to get in after that. I don't know what the story was. I didn't see any queues. Clearly I skipped it by mistake. Um, but yeah, it was like, it's a very strange, strange setup, strange gig. Uh, but a lot of fun. And I had no I had no trouble getting on. It was fine.
2: Thank you well, for good. the uh, Office of Public Works esque review there, Adam. Was the music <laughs> any good?
1: Um yeah, it was actually. Uh, I think I was saying to Craig just before he jumped on the call there that Fallout Boy uh, just have not lost it for one second. They're so good. Um, really, really enjoyed Fallout Boy. Like that was the highlight for me over anything. Like I very much was looking forward to seeing that. Um uh Green Day were like like Green Day was just, it's just the greatest hits tour with a yeah, couple, with a couple of expect. covers thrown
2: in. I mean, like, the one thing I would say is, I mean, if I, if I, if I had gone, Fallout Boy of the act I want, I would have wanted to see. But, like, even like, I looked at the set list and it was like, you know, Weezer at the opening act, but it's like Weezer playing 15 songs, Fallout Boy are playing 15 songs, Green Day are playing 24 songs. I was like, I don't have this in me, no fucking way. Maybe if it was in City Centre Walking Distance, but alas, it was not. Although, although, I should say as well, uh, shout out to friend of the show, Glenn Bollard, great photographer. He got to photograph Green Day, which apparently was like a life goal for him. So it's for him this week. Oh, nice. But definitely. the reason we mention all this as right. well uh, is Billy Joe Armstrong said a thing on stage days before that I don't think he's going to stick to, Craig.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever about getting home from Marty Park. But um, Billy Joe doesn't fancy uh, the trip back to America, Dave. <laughs> He's renouncing his US citizenship. <laughs> um yeah, this is, you know, obviously to do with the very serious Roe v. Wade news and decision and um but this is a kind of vow that we've seen over the years from a lot of kind of American celebrities. And I was kind of racking my brains. I'm I don't no one that's actually gone ahead with it when invariably the terrible thing happens in america that they've been saying like right that's it if such and such happens um so yeah he was on stage in london and he was talking about his homeland he said there's uh too much fucking stupid in the world to go back to that miserable fucking excuse for a country oh i'm not kidding you're going to get a lot of me in the coming days <laughs> what does that mean um <laughs> I don't know it's just run around London it's popping up here there and everywhere I mean I guess it's go to a pub and bath I I don't know I
2: have upcoming tour dates and I will continue to say things for a cheap crowd pop that I won't actually stand by I saw like someone else on Twitter saying you know I wonder if creative types or musicians or whatever will refuse to play in certain states now after they and I'm like no they won't I'm like they'll go where the fucking money is like I mean like Let's not pretend that they're like, you know, yeah, they're virtuous in one sense, but also they have a job. And the notion that Billy Joe Armstrong, whose life and career is based in America, is going to tear up his fucking, you know, passport or whatever. I don't think so. It's just a punk guy or pop punk guy who happens to be a massive corporate guy as well, saying a thing to just get a reaction. I'm sure he believes what he says with regards to the horrible situation that is unfolding in America right yeah, now. Yeah, true, he's that fucking passionate horrible. about it, but yeah, but he's like,
0: just saying this. A real <laughs> punk
2: Craig, that's all I'm saying, you know, would actually stick to his guns. Yeah. Um, let's Well, Dave, well, um, let's whatever... Uh, I, I was going to say, like, let, Look, let's just on. do one more story because we're like, you know, heavy news section this week. Um, yeah. And I would like to go... I was going to say
0: whatever about... Oh yeah, oh, yeah, sorry, you take your pick there. We've got three. I, I hope you're going to go for... Well, you just pick and I, see if I'm i I would what, like what to playing. go
2: back to a certain corner... <laughs> of the show that we haven't gone to for a while. Thank you. Adam, take it
1: Thank away. Kiss Corner.
2: <coughs> yeah. So loud, it's, it's, so painfully loud. It's kiss corner, everybody. Oh. What are kiss up to this week, Craig? <laughs>
0: KISS were met with laughter and online mockery, Dave, uh, following a concert in Vienna. Ah, Vienna. Where the band's logo was displayed with an Australian flag insignia. Not Austrian. The Mishap took place at the end of the band's show um, on Sunday night with the phrase KISS loves you, Vienna, being displayed on the screen as fans were leaving the arena. It's pointed out by Twitter user Ben Wynn. However, the KISS logo featured the Australian flag. Um in spite of the mix-up h- being shared online by hundreds of thousands of people, um, KISS are yet to publicly address it, the new story <laughs> says. <laughs> Which is like, yeah, that's the first thing Gene Simmons is going to do. Um, head in the sand. Make-up head oh, in the sand so right here, good. I think. Um, I love that. I mean, I'm, I'm presuming Gene Simmons isn't pulling together like the graphics for the on-stage visuals, although he does like to, you know, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. a real ad hoc tour,
2: um, yeah. Like everyone's has to pitch in get yeah. things done
0: but it is you know they're just doing it for one last Peter time Chris it's their the end of the road table, tour you know it's all um, <laughs> there's a lot of mer- that's a big table with is, Kiss, this their final, is this their final ever tour is it I mean apparently it is their final ever tour um, now this comes like 20 years after their original farewell tour in two thousand two thousand and one. 2001 so I don't know but Gene Simmons has been talking about this he said that um, the band's retirement would be permanent this time Citing pride and self-respect <laughs> which has he ever cited before <laughs> anyone in case um, for the reason uh, for calling it a day. He says the last thing you want to be is to be a world champion boxer and stay in the ring too long. It's only a matter of time until your legs are not going to be able to hold you up and you're going to lose. Um, so yeah. I feel, like he, um, I feel like he got bored of his own analogy there about halfway through.
2: I was like I don't, I yeah. don't have a pun. Legs or lose, something. Yeah. You lose the match. Um, yeah. I think this is kind of innocuous. Um, It's embarrassing, but like it happens maybe. Um, Some intern, in case makeup, probably got fired. It's not quite like a tricolour flying at the Queen's Jubilee recently, which did happen on BBC and they had to apologise for it. I think
0: if you're Austrian and you see the Australian flag because there's not much connection between the countries other than the slight naming thing, you would laugh. Yeah, yeah, so... Just kiss entertaining the people, well, as they've done for decades, they did, and sadly will stop doing it. As yeah. they did
2: today, Craig, because I was on Twitter, best place on earth, and oh, Dave, uh, I, I think it was Vinny from Adabisi Shank possibly retweeted this today. Um, someone, I, I believe DJ cummerbund <laughs> is the person responsible for this mix. Uh, someone put together using like all kinds of stems and kind of, you know, production stuff that Adam would do every day that I don't know how to talk about properly, but they mixed in... Kisses Rock and Roll All Night with Easy by the Commodores. And Craig, we're going to play it now. When it gets oh, I to it. the chorus, uh, I, uh, you're going to feel like you're going to float away. It's unbelievable. Alchemy. Pure alchemy. Pure alchemy. I mean, like, who knows what would have happened if KISS and the Commodores ended up on the same stage together. Instead, we will content ourselves with this week's top five and live performances that did happen. I guess this was inspired by just how strong Mako was at Glastonbury. And also, I guess I, I didn't really ask, The Fish. Who, who <clears throat> was The Fish most impressed by at Glastonbury?
0: Um... he was mainly knocking around for McCartney I'm trying to think what else he saw in the highlights thereafter Um, like he 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 didn't stick around for Herbie Hancock I I feel like he would have been a big Herbie guy Um, so yeah it's it's the Beatle oh sorry Adam says the water boys we were supposed to do jokes for that damn it it's alright right. well done um, Adam
2: so top five live performances too it's our first ever sequel um the last time we did this we picked a bunch of stuff uh Booty and the Blowfish <laughs> 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 um, I'll, 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 I'll just keep going. It's fine. You know, like, like okay. I feel like a live BBC okay. news reporter who's just had someone walk in front of him. Um, and you know, I'm like, it's live television guys. Don't worry about it. So yeah, last time we picked stuff from like a, uh, what, Nine Inch Nails. Um, who else? I, I sent you the list during the week cause there was ones I thought would have been on there.
0: Mac Miller was in there. Young Fathers. Yeah. I had my, my beloved Libertines, the uh, aforementioned, um, it was a lot of good stuff, but it was one I think we said at the time of just like we could keep going all day, yeah, of course, yeah. um, now, or we should revisit it, which we we say a lot mm-hmm. of the time about top fives and we never do. So well, yeah, now some some uh, some eighteen months later or so, we're
2: going to do it. Um, so it is as simple as it sounds: live performances that we think are noteworthy and have had an impact on us. They could be culled from a concert, a television show, a studio session, you name it. But, um, and I put out the call on Twitter this week as well, and a lot of people responded with some incredible stuff. So who knows? Maybe something from there will make it into this, or maybe it won't. There's mm-hmm. only one way to find out, and that's to go through all 68 responses I got on Twitter, cross-cut that with the audio that you're about to hear, and have a fun stay-at-home admin game. Amazing. In the meantime, it's going to be a fun section. In the meantime, it will be a fun section because I think I've got a good one to start with. I will start. My number five in top live performances, the encore, is this. But now performing Wire to Wire, and this is incredible. I heard do this earlier. This is just a wonderful song, beautifully performed. It is Razor Lights!
0: Oh man! Getting, getting. Just <laughs> joking. <laughs> I am devastated that you didn't let any of that song run because I was gearing up for. A bit of Johnny. Yeah, R- remind <laughs> remind Johnny.
2: listeners of what Jonathan Ross's reaction was to Razor playing wire to wire on his show. Oh, uh,
0: standing ovation! Front, um, I think yeah, he was just he was a bit weepy. Um, and I think yeah he'd be, been talking about it before um, they played it and he's like oh, I heard these guys practicing this and I think this is going to be a huge song and it was like <laughs> the death knell of the band essentially <laughs> yeah. because it's horse but not Um okay right uh,
2: that's right. not my actual number five here is my actual number five let's get loud a <laughs> <laughs> No, it's a clip that has featured on the show before, but it was more of a sidebar to a previous top five we did. That is Denzel Curry doing a cover of Rage Against the Machine's Bulls on Parade for the Australian mm. radio station Triple J. And it's their like a version thing. It's like their live lounge thing, but people do a cover essentially. And yeah. it's often quite interesting. And this is one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I, I think we did like top five animal crackers before a while ago. We did. And I picked Rage doing Bulls on Parade. So I threw this in as like a. Yeah. but also this. Um, imagine the band's alternate future with Denzel Curry as the frontman. Um, so yeah, some people might repeat myself here, but I felt it was worthy to throw in. I think it's an incredible, incredible cover. And I remember writing a story on it for Joe on like a lazy Saturday a few years ago. I'm putting it out there and, you know, the Joe comments are usually not very nice, but all the people were like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like, you have to be seriously good to cover Rage and this guy's amazing. Who is he? Yeah. And I was like, this is what it should be like. People should be like, I've never heard of this guy before. I'm impressed by him. This is great. Thanks for doing the fucking article, which almost never, ever happens. But I love Denzel Curry. We love Denzel Curry on the show. I was sad not to catch his Olympia show recently. I do like his new album that we reviewed on the show with Zara Hediman a few months ago and... When I saw this clip, and again, the performance, you got to go watch it on YouTube, guys, if you haven't seen it, because he is bouncing all over that fucking studio. Mm. I will say it is a little bit kind of immersion breaking to see that amongst the band members doing this cover, there's someone on keys. And like, no disrespect to anyone who plays keyboard or piano, you are far more talented than I ever will be. But Rage Against Machine song keyboard, it's weird, um, but seriously, man, ah, oh, keys are cool, man. Come In on, this song. keys can be
0: edgy. <laughs> keys can be edgy. it just feels out of place.
2: No disrespect, <laughs> but seriously, Denzel Curry and his movements—he like he puts one of his own verses from one of his songs into the middle of this. It's incredible. It's it's so it's taking a thing and making a new thing out of it. And and at the time, like Rage are back and they're back touring. But at the time I was like, look, if Zach wants to not be in this band anymore, just fucking get this guy in. Mm. It would be amazing. Mm. And this cover is incredible. Go check it out and make sure you check out the the actual video of it because it's brilliant. It's just
0: so, so good. Really good pick. I love that, the voice, the vocal's so good. It's totally different energy, but it's great. Um I'm gonna start things off heavy as well, Dave. Uh this is a band probably best experienced through like session compilations, I think. Um, just whenever they did sessions that kind of like now or never energy just worked really well for the material like they kind of laser focused in a way that they don't on some of the studio albums and uh, it's just easier to get into than wading through like the one million albums they did uh, it's not go-to Boy Voices but it is possibly your granny on the bongos and this guy
1: Eyes wide open The neck was slightly
0: Yeah, it's Marky Smith and your granny on the bongos. It's the fall. Uh, It's not your granny on the bongos. There's no bongos in this. Uh, Don't think there's keys either. There's bass, there's guitar, and it's a tremendous, tremendous sound from both. It's just so good. It's like this, that riff, which is so simple, but just utterly deathless, relentless, dark as all hell. It's kind of groovy as well. It's like Satan slinking down the street. Um just uh, the studio version is good it came out after this which is from 2004 the last um john Peel session they ever did just prior to his passing um, what a way to go out. I think they were the band that did the most Peel sessions over the years. They were his favorite bands, uh, despite him having kind of a prickly relationship with Marky Smith, which I think is how you define most people's relationships with Marky Smith. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think John Peel's thing was just like, don't meet your heroes. And um, in the case of Marky Smith, that was probably wise. And they would never really talk when they came in to do sessions. Um, I think they would, like, a manly punch in the arm was the most communication they ever had. Um, but it didn't stop Marky Smith going on Newsnight for that John Peel tribute, which is just uh, YouTube that, folks. Um, not the most respectful, I would say. I'm sure John Peel would have loved it. But um, yeah, this is like obviously Latter Day, the fall. Um, the players are brilliant. The thing about a fall session, I think, is like, particularly on these heavier kind of songs. The studio versions are like, you know, your pleasant day at the zoo, then you have this come on and it's just like, you're suddenly inside the cage with the very dangerous animal. It's just, um, it kind of comes through the speakers. It's incredibly heavy. You've got Marky Smith doing his like unhinged street preacher thing, manic street preacher thing over it. And of course, hilariously with the fall, like, I mean, such a good band in this later era, you've got Ben Pritchard on guitar, Steve Trafford bass and those incredible riffs. The jangling bass, by me. the way.
2: It just sounds like it's stalking oh, you down a dark alley. It's unbelievable.
0: Uh, yeah, totally, totally. Um didn't make it to the next album as a story with with the fall. The album this ended up on was called um Fall Heads Will Roll. <laughs> by the time of the next album, they were gone. I think Ben Pritchard had been on one previous album, Real New Fall, and um now, they were kind of out, but it was just like murky's Smith, all those years on from like the classic lineups of the eighties could still pull together. It's just a great kind of, obviously not a people person, but an incredible kind of talent spotter, maybe in molder of like, like the Alex Ferguson of indie music, but with Brian Clough's like later temperament maybe. Um, but I adore this. There's, there's a lot of, um, fall songs on this particular Peel kind of compilation that are far superior to the studio version. So that is a good entry point if they do seem a bit um, daunting to get into. Um, but yeah, just, it's just so heavy just you can keep your doom metal and your hardcore and I'm like there's nothing heavier than this mate
2: (laughs) Uh, I would challenge that statement but that's for another episode Uh, I love this track I love this track I remember you playing it for me uh, back in Hot Press I believe one time and I was like wow this is fucking amazing so hell of a choice shocked it didn't make your first top five on this very subject but here we are number four for me um, let's go to the chat show circuit for real this time it's not raised light don't worry we hipster i guess because i think this would have been around the time when i would have started seeing that word crop up a lot cool new york band you say from the 2000s <laughs> it's tv on the radio on the tv they're on david letterman here yeah. doing wolf like me the amazing wolf like me from the great album return to cookie Mountain. and um, they were in a real purple patch around this time dear science the album that would follow two years later in 2008 is for me a modern masterpiece and uh, not bettered by the band since they've released two albums like 2011, 2014, and they were fine. Um, they lost a member. Uh, Jared Smith, unfortunately, passed away at a very young age. But um, I don't know what their current status is. Like, I know that their frontman who you heard there, uh, Tunde Adepempe, who he's gone into acting here and there and stuff and kind of some indie movies. Um, they're a band that I keep waiting for another great album by, but they've given us some great work. And this performance on Letterman is just so energetic. It's a lightning bolt. Tunde Adepempe is jumping on the spot and like pogoing while he's singing and he's somehow keeping his melody going and he's you know somehow doesn't just collapse in a fucking heap it's just so energetic and so alive uh it's an amazing song like in in its studio recorded form but this is giving it a whole new level and for me as well I mean like there are of course and like you know we had a couple on the last top five Frank Ocean on Saturday Alive was of course in my list um I just think that it can be kind of rare on a chat show. Maybe it's maybe like it's yeah. more of an American thing. I mean, like you watch The Late Late Show over here, for example, and it's so rare that you're like, that was amazing. And it's never down to the artist, I don't think. I think it's just the staging and the sound and whatever and maybe the studio space or something. But every now and then you would get something like this on a David Letterman, on a Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. And it doesn't even take massive production value sometimes. It just takes an incredibly spirited performance. And yeah. this one is just mind-blowing. It's so, so good and so inviting in its way. And just Tearaway, it's fucking brilliant. And I, the clip I saw of it, like I didn't see Letterman's reaction at the end, but I have to imagine he's bounding out there being like, what?
0: (laughs) As he usually does. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask, was there any, because I I know this version, I love this version, but I couldn't remember if he does any post- performance like drum chat (laughs) i feel like tv
2: on the radio don't don't get talked about enough though for some reason um so if if for any reason anyone's listening to this who's never listened to tv on the radio please go and listen to return to cookie mountain and dear science they are two of the great albums of the 2000s by an excellent band that i desperately hope to see live someday because i never have
0: very nice okay I couldn't go two heavy songs in a row so I'm going to soothe the brow with some acoustic troubadour um, meanderings beautiful meanderings and I like this is a good pick um, simply for the fact that Dawn French selected this song on her Desert Island Discs um, way back in 2012 and she said it was the song that made me fall in love again so there here we go should I stand amid your breakers or should I lie with death, my bride? Hear me say, swim to me, swim to me, let me enfold you. Here I am, here I am,
1: waiting
0: yeah, so that's Tim Buckley with "Song to the Siren," which is a song I've picked before for covers. Uh, this Mortal Coil's but probably the most famous version. Um, actually, definitely the most famous version of that song. It was his original. This was his first performance of it um, back in 1968. It it kind of went through different variations and he was never quite happy with it. And the actual recorded version that came out uh, on his Star Sailor album in the 70s is um, kind of reverb filled and awkward and a bit spacey and it's fine, but it it, it kind of doesn't capture the magic of that melody um, and the simplicity of it. I kind of picked this performance as much to highlight how um, uncannily like his son he is in this clip. I'd never seen clips of Tim Buckley prior to seeing this back probably in my late teens and I was just kind of bewitched by like, it's Jeff Buckley with curly hair and obviously... um, Tremendous voice as well. Um, the performance is taken from the monkeys TV show, which struck me as kind of strange. It was apparently the last ever episode of The Monkeys, which got cancelled after two seasons. And um, Mickey Dolan's was just like a mate of Tim Buckley's from like going to like clubs around LA and hanging out. And I'm just like, imagine being Mickey Dolans or one of the monkeys and like befriending quote-unquote serious musicians when you're on this show that is basically being like we're the faux Beatles and we're kind of actors and we don't play our instruments but we're more famous than you. Um, it's kind of an interesting one. By the second series apparently of the Monkeys TV show Um, people had cottoned on to the fact that they hadn't been playing their instruments. So like they got rid of the entire team behind the scenes. The band started playing their own stuff. They went like (laughs) hippie-ish, going going hippie-ish and like a bit psychedelic. And the show got like a little weird and I'm going to have to track down some of the episodes because it sounds great. And of course it was then cancelled and they were kind of done for. But like, yeah, this is from the series finale and it's just reading the synopsis of what happened. Because it was like a weird, like sitcom slash, I guess, variety show. Um, Mickey Dolan's wrote it it's called The Frodo's Caper and it was written as a satire of the industry and a parting shot there too an evil eye resembling the CBS logo is hypnotising television viewers everywhere and the monkeys trace it to an alien plant being manipulated by a villain seeking world domination when the plant emits smoke it pacifies the villain the meaning of which Dolan stated he would leave to the imagination of the viewer then Tim Buckley as a special guest closes out the series with his song Songs of Desire and, and um, yeah, like, it also goes on to describe the, the s- stage setting. Um, like he comes out and he walks across the set and there's an old car with a smashed windshield on stage and he kind of slumps over the hood and plays this on 12 string. And um, I've watched this clip a million times. I never noticed the car before I went back to it after reading that. Never noticed the setting. Didn't really notice it was a monkey sing because it was just into the song. This was This was a big one of like... End of a big night out, Craig back in his gaff, (laughs) watching YouTube stuff and feeling a bit, like, doleful and being like, I want to stick on Tim Buckley's Song to the Siren and think about life. And, yeah, I was a cool teenager. That's that's my next choice. Wow. um, What a vivid image there at the end. Smashed
2: windshield and broken man. Uh, So, essentially... (laughs) Uh my next choice is also a vintage selection and it's inspired by a motion picture I went to see at the weekend. Here we go. Out there in the dark. Hey kids, it's Elvis Presley. King of rock and roll. Uh, it is the king of rock and roll. It's Elvis Presley. It's Elvis. And it is If I Can Dream, uh, which is a protest song, which was debuted to the world as the closing number on his 68 comeback special. It uh, had, merc- oh, had yeah. been recorded a few months prior. And apparently when it was first brought to Colonel Tom Parker, he was like, no, nah, this isn't Elvis song. No way. And then he did it. And apparently, like, you know, there was backing vocalists crying and people just flooding emotion and being like, oh my God, Elvis has never sung like this before and he clearly means it. Um, I must confess, like, I didn't really know this track um, too well until last weekend when I went to see Baz Luhrmann's Elvis on Saturday afternoon with Friend of the Show and No Popcorn co-host Norma Howard. Um, A film I had been very kind of, like, a bit reticent on. I was like, this looks mental and what the fuck is Tom Hanks doing? And like Elvis to me, I've never really like despite being in my orbit to a degree because my dad was a big fan. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be the biggest Elvis guy in the world. And I was kind of like, yeah, do I want to see this movie? And then Norma was like, you know, it's almost three hours long. Right. And I was like, oh, God, fuck it. We'll go. Um, I had suggested going, went to it. I will say I loved the Elvis movie. Um, and I have a lot of problems with it, <laughs> so it right. is mental. It is like Baslerman just unleashing a machine gun full of cocaine upon the audience for three hours, which feel like six hours long. But like at the same time, how could it not be right it 's meant to be this massive, excessive cartoon of a thing and i 'm sure there 's lots of embellishments in it that like Elvis historians would know more than I would, even this one, like this song was written to essentially replace a Christmas song, but in the film it 's very much like. Tom Hanks's Faustian kind of cartoon character, you know, warring with network executives. And meanwhile, Elvis is over here, you know, being this woke king who wants to stand up for the oppressed, which I'm sure he did, but it's all very kind of movie, you know? So and I'm sure there's like stuff yeah. in there that actually did not happen throughout the course of the movie, but I will say, um... If you can get beyond the Baz Luhrmann scattergun approach, which I'm which i which I'm not necessarily against, like I love Romeo and Juliet, I, I'm one of the few people who seems to like The Great Gatsby that he did, um, it, this film is a lot, it is heavy in terms of just how much shit is happening and it moves at 100 miles an hour, but I really, really liked it and I thought Austin Butler who plays Elvis, it's a phenomenal performance, I really incredible. Like incredible and Quite frankly, if we are giving out Oscars for terrible Saturday Night Live impressions of Freddie Mercury and we're not giving one out to this guy, well, then I don't know what the fuck we're doing. And the live performances in this movie, the way that they're filmed, the way that they're presented, the noise of them... I was completely blown away. I would sat there in my cinema seat and I was like, this is fucking unbelievable. And then when this scene comes along at the comeback special and they do this song, I wanted to stand up and fucking cheer. I I couldn't get over how powerful (laughs) it was, which, of course, led me back to checking the song out on Spotify and on YouTube and watching Elvis versus, you know, the film, etc. And I think it's incredible. I think it's amazing. I think it's so, so huge and brilliant. Um, Is it a bit on the nose and maybe not the most subtle song of all time? Yeah, but that's probably the point. Uh, The performance is exceptional and I really, really can't wait until... um, (laughs) I guess when the Elvis movie comes out on streaming or something in a few months time I'm sure somebody's going to do like an edit and they're going to like give like a enhanced longer version of the tracks that Austin Butler does because this moment I, I can't stop thinking about that moment and also when he first when they do Suspicious Minds in um, in the film which I mean like I was I, I had my therapy session on Saturday morning Saturday morning therapy by the way when you're hungover not the best idea but that's that's my slot yeah. and I had I'd said to my therapist about you know I'm going to go see the Elvis movie and you know I I wish my dad got to see it. And like I don't know if my dad would have liked the style of filmmaking here, but I really would love to know what he thought of the guy playing him. And I said to my therapist, I was like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pretend like he's there and I found myself when they played Suspicious Minds, I found myself looking at the seat beside me and just kinda wishing he was there for it. So Um, but I really loved it I really loved that thing and I really loved appreciating it and I really loved it like since I um since I saw the movie I can't stop listening to this fucking song it's incredible and his performance is just unbelievable I'm like okay yeah I get
0: it now (laughs) it turns out he was very good my my dad was also kind of big Elvis head like I can just remember being extremely small and Elvis vinyl going on um Maurice the name was always my favourite song that and whenever that that special would be on there'd be clips of it or whatever um it was like a must watch thing so I'm very familiar with it it's so good it's so big that's why I'm like I think Baz Luhrmann would be would do a good job at that if you're like doing the kind of american myth of elvis and larger than life stuff maybe more so than the man like that sounds That's great the like thing. from I mean, your like, description it, i'm all in it's like, a yeah. giant pop thing and it's like i don't really
2: need the interiority of this character i yeah. just kind of yeah. want to see this yeah. sc- this crazy no like look, like, like i say like you know it's bursting at the seams and there are problems with it <laughs> tom hanks alone but i would encourage people to go see it and i could totally understand if somebody was like this is terrible
0: but it really fucking did a number on me that's amazing. Um, I just did a quick Google there because I was I was like, does this thing actually exist? You just reminded me of like, obviously Elvis on stage, particularly late 60s going into the 70s, would be like joking around with his band and like the audience quite a lot and doing his banter and stuff. And I was like, I feel like there was an album released that was just all his stage banter. <laughs> and yes, there was. In 1974, there was a spoken word concert album uh, put out called Having Fun with Elvis on Stage, right? So the entire album was just dialogue and banter, mostly jokes by Presley between songs during his live concerts, with the songs themselves removed (laughs) from the recordings. So what you're saying (laughs) is he was the original podcaster. (laughs) Oh my God. He was, he was, he invented rock music <laughs> and podcasting. Thank you, Elvis. We won't be here did without you. Did he invent you. rock okay. music or did won- he steal it from black people? I don't yeah. know. He stole it. Yeah. He probably stole podcasting from black people probably. as well. He stole a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. But he um, did it with such a charm. Let's move on okay, quickly. Okay, well let <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> my number three and, um, this is going to be maybe an obvious choice. Oh, I had to get it in. I can't believe I, I left it out last time. Um, It's a band from an upcoming destination of mine. It's also a band um, with a singer whose voice I once argued in a pub was probably better than Nina Simone's. (laughs) Might have had a few drinks. Here they are. (laughs) Tinseltown in the rain. It's apparently only the second appearance of Blue Nile in our top fives, which I'm Adam shocked by. I'm also shocked by. Um, I'm shocked I didn't pick this last time around because this is a bit of like a weird, like lost treasure slash Holy Grail clip for me. So it was a dark period, Dave. Maybe about five years, where this disappeared from the internet. It's one of those things where you're just like, it's it's just gone. What? Like the BBC have removed it? I think there was like a happy six months where someone put it put up a really grainy, terrible version of it it's um it's a band round about 97 um, doing Tinseltown Rain from um, on Jules Holland they've just released Peace at last um, there's a great Jules intro which I should have included where he's just like we're very fortunate to have Blue Nile on <laughs> uh, we just heard one of their <laughs> um, songs from the latest album but we asked them if they do one we all knew and loved as well it's just like a really like yeah just do one doing hits lads they didn't really have hits this is probably the closest thing they had to a hit though I think this is better than the recorded version which says a lot because they are immaculate I think they're perfect in the studio but um, round about this time Paul, Paul Buchanan the singer in question discovered the guitar which you can kind of hear there and it's just there's a kind of an energy to this that isn't on the recorded version his voice is just soaring like he does that thing where he sounds like he's constantly straining for the note but he can actually hit every note effortlessly he's probably not Nina Simone well he's Glasgow's equivalent, maybe. Um and yeah, happily this has returned to the internet. I joined the Blue Niles um Facebook fan page just to see if anyone had this <laughs> clip. Um, What's that I was just like? going through some of the Oh man, they, did, Polite, they just say. post clips of the Blue Nile. And I think they have meetups. I haven't been you to a meetup. They all seem lovely and they're all kind of like, you know, later middle aged. And so, and like they'll post photos of them with like Paul Buchanan kind of smiling in some like street corner that they've cornered him in. Um, so, there's a lot of that. They do it, they do an other music. Um, Sunday where you're the one day you're allowed post bands or artists that are into Blue Nile so everyone has fun with that and there's a theme a bit like the top five um, but I was looking back through the comments of like I just put in this song title and Jules, and um, all the years of people just being like does anyone know where it's gone like what, I just I can't I can't find it anywhere <laughs> Someone going, I emailed Jules, this is when it finally reappeared, not to take the credit, but the gist of my message was bring back one of the best live performances of all time. A week later it came back, somebody had had a heart. (laughs) And there was another message from a few years previously where um, someone was desperate to get it. And um, one of the responses was, it's on the later Mellow DVD if you're desperate. (laughs) And I'm just like... (laughs) There's, of course there's a later Mellow DVD. Uh I don't think this is later mellow. I think it's later bloody brilliant. It's the blue Nile. Uh, it's my obvious tree. Take yeah. us
2: into that pub though, and this Nina Simone argument you were having. Who who was it with? What was happening?
0: It was with a friend of yours, uh Mr. Harry Hans. Oh, of course. Yeah, and that sounds right. I can't I think he was just talking a bit too much about Nina Simone. Doesn't sound said, oh, like Harry. I don't yeah, know. It's over overrated. Um <laughs> put on a pedestal when you get down to brass tacks I mean Paul Buchanan for example <laughs> I think I just wanted to steer the conversation towards the Blue Nile you usually uh, do that was my thinly veiled attempt yeah, yeah that's yeah. fair um, usually I'm not surprised not in
2: top five more often I feel like I feel like you have like a protection over them that you're like you just want to unleash them at only like special occasions type thing you know yeah yeah that's very but fair to be fair every episode of Jules Holland is a special occasion and it's that's oh. where we're going next for my next pick I mean, what can you say? It's at the drive-in, it's one-armed scissor and their infamous appearance on a, later with Joe's Hall episode that I think Robbie Williams was on after them, possibly. Um, quite the juxtaposition. And I mean, like, listen. Incredible. Did that clip sound amazing? No, it didn't. And like, I think it was best summed up by a YouTube comment where someone said, this sounds fucking terrible, but it's also the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. I can't explain it. I mean... You need, again, the visual for this one. Like, it's just like this, you know, hype American band coming over and coming over to the UK in 2000, you know, uh, like in the television era and the magazine era and causing a legitimate fucking stir. Travis reigning supreme on <laughs> Yeah, the I mean, it's very yeah. much like, what is this? Like, audience don't know how to fucking react. And I mean, like during the performance... Um, as people have rightly pointed out, this is like, they're like, well, no wonder the, the, these guys split into two different bands not long after this, those bands being the Mars Volta and Sparta, respectively, because you have like Cedric Pixel Zavala, Zavala um, and Omar Rodriguez just fucking pelting it around the stage, barely playing their instruments, throwing chairs and getting hit in the face by them, while the rest of the band, including Jim Ward on guitar and, like, Back of Focus, are just trying to continue the song. It's a band disintegrating in front of you, but also forming, like, one of the anthems of its time. And, like, that record, Relationship yeah. of Command, is one of the great rock albums. It's heralded for a reason. It has cult-like status. And I think a performance like this goes some way to it. I mean, it's complete carnage. It's complete chaos. It doesn't work because it doesn't work. But it also is like you used the word alchemy earlier on. It is a moment of magic and a total lightning bolt. And again, you can only imagine what someone like Rob Williams is like looking at, like being like, what the fuck? Um, I think a while ago when I spoke to For Those I Love, because he mentioned that he had two goals in his music career one was to play like later with Jules Holland which he did um, I think he said to me that like this is his favourite live performance possibly I could be, I hope I'm not misquoting him but he definitely referenced it and it's like I think for a lot of people at the time watching BBC2 on whatever night of the week it was seeing this and being again just being like blown like like this this was a moment this was a genuine yeah of its time did you fucking see that last night on Jules like what what was that mm. like you, you just imagine security like running in and like turfing them out because they're tearing the place apart um it's like Slipknot on TFI Friday essentially you know up there with that and it's great
0: yeah I'm really sorry that I was a year or two a bit too late or early for for this to like to kind of see it as it happened um my introduction was the Mar- Mars Volta Deloused in the co- Comatorium. We've talked about that before where I hadn't heard the album. I went to HMV in Blanchardstown bought it and the guy behind the counter was just like, you can bring this back if you want it's a bit weird. <laughs> I was like I think I'll be alright and I was alright here's my runner up. It's back to Making a Men's Corner. The band in heaven They play my favourite song Play it one more time Play it all night long Oh, heaven Heaven is a
1: place A place when nothing Nothing
0: else Talking Heads, Heaven, it's uh, from Stop Making Sense, probably the best concert film of all time. So an obvious choice, but um, last go round, I didn't go for it. And it was also that thing of just like, do I do you include like, you know, Nirvana, Unplugged or Poor's Head, Or Is that a totally different category? This was like my, ref- my kind of one concession to that kind of thing. I picked Heaven because it didn't feature on the original album, uh, it's a bit different to what comes after. Um, I just love the glorious tedium of what he's capturing in the song. It's really moving. It's far better than the studio version. I would say that most of the songs on Stop Making Sense are better than their studio equivalents. It's just, um, it's probably, it's one of the high points, I think, of um, human civilization, Stop Making Sense. It's an absolute perfect document of just creatives at the absolute pinnacle the peak of their powers um and actually i think the first the first time we did the top five i i loved it but it wasn't properly like stitched into my the fabric of my being and the last year or two uh, i've watched a lot more i I keep kind of going back to it i've started this thing of just like i've now got like a new year's eve ritual of like because i don't i don't like going out at new year's eve because it's a bit shit or whatever but if you find time, watch Stop Making Sense and you will have a good start to the new year. It's just so abundant with joy. It's infectious. It's just like, I feel like it's a good omen. If you're starting a new year and Talking Heads 1984 are playing on that stage and David Byrne is like smiling and laughing with the backing singers as they dance around and then the big Sue comes out, you're just like, yeah happy bloody new year so give that a try um, my new year's tradition in that I've done it twice
2: uh, like six years apart or so is to watch Blade Runner um, however I didn't one. have a good start to the new year at this time around but it's still a great movie <laughs> um <laughs> you're not gonna blame <laughs> <laughs> No, i'm not gonna blame ridley scott's blade runner ridley on scott's my personal media. tragedy that occurred two weeks later no 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 it's a wonderful film and it hasn't been tainted uh hell of a movie though i remember like new year's eve just gone. I watched that and then i like watched a bunch of fucking live videos and stuff on youtube and stuff it was nice in front of the fire with a beer because yeah that's the way to do it though? man don't care for that what are you
0: doing crazy talk Crazy things. Yeah. And number one for me. I always remember. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. uh, And I was just going to say that thing I always loved of um, Johnny Jewell from Chromatics. um, Well, previously in Chromatics, but when he was asked what he does uh, for New Year's Eve. He said, I do the same thing every year. I build a log fire by myself in a cabin and I listen to Air Supply slowed down. <laughs> slowed down versions of Air Supply songs. That's his New Year's Eve. Tremendous. Jesus. Sorry, your number My one. Number Dave. one is
2: um, an act that appeared in the show before. This clip has definitely played in the show before. I've picked the studio version of this song before and I picked another track by them as well. Uh, they're kind of cult, no encore favorites, cult favorites in general. And this is a performance for the ages also on david letterman here's my number one Yeah, it's another weird one because it's like, at times I'll watch this and I'm like, is that guitar out of tune? Is this terrible? No, it isn't. It's amazing. It's Woo Life. Yeah, It's Woo Life, everybody. And it's Heavy Pop, the outstanding top five and Dave's top five songs of all time song that I just adore so much. And I mean, for some time I was like, are they taking the piss? Like, is this a joke? And I'm like, I don't think it is. I think it's genuinely like this exceptional piece of art, which we've talked about so often on the show before. And if you've never, for some if you're a new listener and you've never heard Woo Life, a man, a short-lived Manchester band that released one album. So they must have made the show three times because I definitely think for best one and done albums as well. Go Tell Fire to the Mountain from 2011, stunning. The song Heavy Pop, unbelievable. And here they are on Letterman being more than a bit pretentious, and it ends with Letterman coming on and doing the, you oh, know, is that your regular drummer? And they have an awkward exchange yeah, with them suddenly. and then they walk away and he's like, You guys don't have to leave. All right, fine, bye. And it's like it's really <laughs> funny and just kinda of sums them up in a way. But you know, they lived fast, died young, left a good looking corpse, and I adore them. And actually, I think about a year ago, Craig, I said to you, I was like, there's some book being put together by the band, and it's like a Kickstarter I thing. Gonna ask, yeah. It's like a Kickstarter thing, and they're and they're, they're they're making this limited edition book, like with essays and stuff from the time, and like it's not that expensive. And I'm getting on board. Are you getting on board? And I and I and I, I submitted my forty British pounds or whatever the fuck it was, and much like your Frank Ocean saga, the book has not arrived a year later. Um, but apparently. It's arriving very soon. There were some updates oh, recently man. on, like, the Kickstarter account, but it went quiet for a very long time. And, like, and I will say, like, they put up a video of, like, here's the book, and it doesn't look as good as the concept of the book, but I don't care. Uh, I want my... Woo- doing <laughs> a J-Paul yeah. on us, Jasmine-scented vinyl. And they yeah, all yeah. said that, like, they'll put your name in it if you're, like, a backer, and that's, that's all I want. All I want is to be in print next to Woo Life, and
0: maybe I will be. Well, I was going to say, but didn't you, as part of that, um, and I was kind of kicking myself because I did mean to to get on board with that and it just passed me by, but didn't, it, didn't you get access to, like, sketches yes. or demos of what might the have been a album. second yeah, album? Yeah, have those. Yeah. Have those somewhere
2: on my computer. And I will say, I mean, like, it sounds a bit more exciting than, the, than what, what you actually got because it is demos. It is, like, here's, like, eight or nine yeah. scratches of sketches and some of them are actually, like, oh, yeah, like, that was a different song that I have heard before. I think some of it became... Like, some Ellery James Roberts solo stuff, which then became some Lost Under Heaven stuff. Uh, But it's nice to have them. It's, like, kind of like, oh, cool. Excuse me. This is, like, some kind of, like, you know, patchwork of, like, what what might have been. But again, the whole thing with this band is I'm happy that they're one and done. What I'm not happy about, though, is, and I have said this before, I had tickets to their Whelan show and I just didn't go. And I know people who did. And they were like, it was fucking unbelievable. And, of course, you know, a moment in time that I missed out on. But we'll always have them performing Uh, on Letterman and Letterman being kind of impressed but maybe laughing at them I don't know
0: I think he was very impressed (laughs) I got the feeling that he was just like the way he was laughing was just like wow you actually did something interesting way to go (laughs) (laughs) Um, alright my number one I I nearly went with a a performance of this song on Letterman but actually we're going back to Glasgow uh, a legendary show it's on YouTube check it out Um, we're reaching the finale of that show and um the audience and the band are like trading insults Um, there's a bit of kind of disruption going on and the group start doing this like sneering like sweet quote unquote ditty as a kind of farewell and then they kick into this number which is like time for one last brawl and I just love the energy of it so
2: glad we had this time together Together. just to have Uh, something sing a song
0: what'd you say? fat golf? okay fat
2: The air in delight, Craig.
0: <laughs> Welcome, Nyler. The Beastie Boys sabotage. Every bloody live version of this is incredible. But I think this takes the cake because of um, the context of it um, and just actually how good it sounds. And just, I'm still baffled by. <sighs> I'm going back to Alchemy because it's like, it's it's a one chord riff. It's a bass riff. It's like a two note solo and somehow it's like as strong as a Rage song um, from these kind of, you know, previous hip hop oinks who are like breaking out the instruments. And you kind of think when they, you know, get on stage, this could go, this could go take that doing Smells Like Teen Spirit. (laughs) And instead it's like a song that rivals Smells Like Teen Spirit. Um, I love the back and forth I love the sheer like playful animosity of the Glasgow crowd and there's a bit of history there as well so reading about this show uh over a decade previous they did another quote unquote legendary show in Glasgow their first show there at Barrowlands which is like infamous venue or famous venue there um And basically, it was a total, like, shit show. It was chaos. It was pure insanity. Wildest night ever. Um, There was a lot of weirdness going on stage. Uh, I think the beasties thought they had to like work to antagonize the crowd to get their respect. So they started like spraying beer on them and spitting on them <laughs> and the crowd didn't like, weren't best pleased. And, uh, after 20 minutes, they were like, they were pelted off stage by beer, apparently as much beer as to fill a swimming pool from one right up. And there was also women like dancing in cages and, which isn't great. Um, they became enlightened thereafter, but yeah, they left the stage after 20 minutes, um, There was fights in the audience that continued out onto the streets as the venue emptied. They came back once thereafter in 92, um, as support for Henry Rollins, which is is one way to smooth things over. Um, and then this, 1999, um, Hello Nasty was out and they did a kind of then career spanning set, which is just so good. Definitely worth checking out on YouTube. Um, how eclectic they were how they just mix between styles just kind of hip-hop classics and then this they did at intergalactic prior to it it's so good live it works better live because you've got those kind of whoa drops and it's just so good yeah the letterman version is really really great as well but um this is probably the lesser known one so we're checking it. hell of a choice man uh just, it felt amazing
2: even just hearing that clip there, just in her, in her headphones uh, over Zoom. Fuck me. What a what a band. What a song. What a moment. Yep. Um, Would well, love to have been there, though. I love that detail, though, of like, fights the start in the venue and continued onto the streets. We've <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, been to gigs like that I now. think
2: we've been to a few, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Um, yeah. But that, that, that's wonderful stuff. Um, and that's our top five. That's our first sequel. Um, hopefully it was more like The Godfather Part 2 than, say... I don't know Thor The Dark World or something I don't fucking know who knows um, sequels man lots of them uh, original content that's what we want on this show Top Gun like, man have you not seen Top Gun? Maverick no no it's made over a Maybe billion dollars at the worldwide box office Craig
0: not for me I haven't contributed <laughs> yes but I'm going to I'm going to it'll stick around for another week or so definitely it? yeah it's, it's, here for it's a while. still selling
2: okay, a lot okay. of tickets and it is great and it okay. should be seen on the big screen go see that and go see Elvis that'd be quite
0: the double bill Oh, that would be amazing. Actually, I might just do that. I don't know. It might, A it might, it might take it out of you. Too much? It might, it might be
2: too much for, for, yeah, yeah. for one day. But at the same time, I think you should okay. do it. Uh, and I think that we should pay tribute to um, maybe the best live performer of all time because he sits live with us every week and puts up with our performances. It is, of course, the wonderful, the amazing sonic architect, Adam. As noted already, there is a new before the encore out uh, on your feet at the moment. I should have mentioned the top of the show, uh, but I was preoccupied. The episode is with Michelle Whitehead, who has worked for, in the past, MCD and Aiken Promotions, the two big promotional guns in the country. She's now working with Singular Artists after doing a solo stint in pure herself. Michelle is a friend of the show Anyone who works in the Irish music industry should know of her But if you don't, Adam did an excellent near 2 hour interview on before the encore at the moment. So even if you're like, ah, it's a bit industry, I don't know, trust me. If you throw this on for 20 minutes, you'll keep the whole thing on. It's great and Michelle was excellent. That's out now in your feed. And uh, yeah, also Instagram, we're on Instagram now. Uh, Adam has set up an Instagram account. He's running it and we're posting clips and reels and stuff like that. Highlights of current episodes, past episodes. Maybe we can tie into a topical thing. We posted up the James McCartney, Craig reading at the interview from episode 315, I believe, which was Top 5 Musical Offspring. Uh, So just join us over there. Um, We won't be spamming you with content all the time, but we will be putting up some stuff that we think is of relevance. And, you know, it's Instagram. If you're on there give us a follow. Garth Brooks, join the conversation, whatever the fuck, I don't know. Um, (laughs) All right, that's the show for this week. We will be back next week, but for now, my name is Dave Hanrady. His name is Craig Fitzpatrick. This has been No Encore. There will be No Encore. Go check out every single live performance that we put in this top five and go see Elvis. Chat to you soon. Bye, bye, bye.